0: Luke 12, 49 to 56. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but the vision, From now on, there will be five and one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? You know, it's funny. Each week I revise uh, the previous week's bulletin and uh, for, for the coming Sunday. And you know, it's typing in the title of the sermon, and I was struck by the contrast between this title, Jesus Brings Fire, and the song that was listed from, still from last week, Fairest Lord Jesus, which is a lovely song and compares the beauty of sunshine and moonlight to the greater, be- Jews, uh, greater beauty of Jesus. But it's difficult to see the Jesus that prompted that song in our passage today. And in fact, it reminds me of uh, the scene in which the character George Nada busts into a bank and uh, while holding the shotgun, and he announces to the room, I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick butt, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Well, these verses presented Jesus who is all out of bubble gum. He seems, he seems ready to just contradict so many of the things that we believe. Contradicting the angel choirs announcing his birth. Peace on earth. The Prince of Peace. He dismisses that idea that he came to bring peace. Came here to tear things up, tear them apart. You know, in the 90s, the religious right really championed this phrase about family values. And they rallied against any policy they believed threatened the stability of the family unit. Well, according to these verses, they should have lumped Jesus in with explicit lyrics and sex education and gay pride parades because he's taking the sword to families dividing them dividing them up turning members against each other family values his ministry devalues families well at least according to these verses so like why is jesus talking like this what's what's going on with him seemingly to just sort of flat out contradict so much of what what he says elsewhere and certainly what what is said elsewhere in other, uh, like in 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 the epistles. I mean, peace, peace. It is harder to find a theme more central to the ministry of Jesus than that of establishing the reign of peace. Well, it is worth noting, first of all, that these verses occur at a point where Jesus' popularity has just sort of skyrocketed. Crowds are not only big. Luke tells us that people are trampling one another to get to him, right? He's gone viral. There is this movement brewing. And as is so often the case, the moment people tend to make uh, Jesus, you know, the think they got Jesus all figured out, that's when Jesus gets combative. Once they figured him out, he's sort of like, Oh, you think you figure me out? And he just pulls the rug out from under him. So, and I'm, I'm reluctant to take the edge off his words, right? I don't want to give the impression that, you know, I'm just trying to smooth over and say, Oh, he, you know, he doesn't really mean that. Uh, because they are meant to, like, poke. However, uh, there is no reason to believe that Jesus just contradicting himself, uh, that he's negating here what all the the other things that uh, talk about peace as central to his mission. Toward that end, I'd like us to consider a scenario. Uh, Imagine you're sitting together with family members. Some are talking, some are watching TV, some are reading, and someone comes into the room and announces that Uncle Chuck lying unconscious uh, in a room up the hall and what's more, he's not alone, that there's someone in the room about to stab him. Now, can you imagine circumstances which that happens and you would just sort of thank the person for that information and go back to talking and reading and watching TV? Yes, you can. Very particular circumstances. If, say, Uncle Chuck recently discovered he's got a tumor growing inside him and all this is taking place in a hospital, the idea that he's unconscious and that there, there is someone there ready to begin surgery, may, that, you know, that's information you want to have. You know, it's because while people in the medical profession take the the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. Make no mistake, surgery is on one level harmful. Um, But there are circumstances like chucks in which doing something harmful to a body like cutting it open is actually uh, in keeping with that oath. It's not a violation of that oath. Because, I mean, if you Put those circumstances aside, you know, surgeons have a lot in common with villains in slasher films. Both are dedicated to cutting people. One does it to heal, one does it to harm. So Jesus' mission is a mission to bring wholeness, uh, to bring the realm of heaven to earth. It is about establishing the reign of peace and it's safe to say that part of the reason that he's drawing these big crowds is that people are recognizing that. Uh, they, they recognize it in his preaching. They recognize it in his healing ministry. I mean, that certainly is bringing wholeness and healing. But Jesus does not want them to get the wrong impression. The kingdom of God is not just like a, a pill you're prescribed. Something, it's not just something you add to your internal mix and that makes things better. The kingdom of God is invasive surgery. It disrupts, it cuts, it divides. He illustrates this by talking about how it, its impact on families. However, I don't, I don't think his point is... To suggest it has something against families in particular, he simply wants to underscore just how disruptive, just how divisive, the kingdom of God could be. Just how at odds it is with the status quo. You know, and so the fam talking about it in terms of families makes perfect sense, right? Because if someone's talking about their colleagues and so forth at work and how close they are they will say, we are like a family. And you know, you know that to mean, you know, it doesn't mean, oh, they, they must live together or oh, they must have similar facial features. No, it's because there's this loyalty and connection. They're bonded. Um, they're, they're loyal to one another. So that's essential to this concept of family. And here Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is so disruptive, so invasive, tears up families. I mean if it's disruptive there, must mean it's going to be disruptive everywhere. Uh, and I think part of the reason he's saying this, because he's gonna he he doesn't I mean he, he's criti- he's gonna criticize the audience for not being able to recognize how disruptive, uh, because of course what you find out is they they are still imagining this kingdom of God very much in terms of the nation state. And you know that that's a that's a ten, I mean there's a trend currently uh, to make that same confusion between the nation state and the kingdom of God, and I, it's not that I don't value politics and so forth. I, heck, I I love I've always I've, I've always been sort of into politics. The first election I have memories of was uh, 1976. I was five. And the main thing I knew about that one was that there was going to be this parade and both Gerald Ford and my grandpa were going to be in that parade as part of their campaigns to, for, for public office. Gerald Ford for president, my grandpa for state representative. And as a five-year-old, I was a strong supporter of both, but only one of them invited me to be in the parade with them. Now, I won't tell you which one, but I'll give you a hint. It's the one that won his election. Sorry, Jerry. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason Jerry Ford lost. I'm not, I'm, it might be. Uh, but anyway, so I've always been invested in politics, but I think um, there, is, there is a danger, there's a real danger in confusing the kingdom of God with Public policy. Um, we're watching a documentary uh, recently about Texas politics and where all the funding comes from. Uh, and it turns out all these millions of dollars can all be sort of traced back to just a few people. And the, 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 the movie talked about the, who these people were. And two of them in particular... Uh, caught my attention because both of them, they had recordings of both of them speaking at their churches. Uh, And what they, you know, their understanding was this: all this funding was about implementing what they saw, or getting politicians who are going to implement policy that they see as building the kingdom of God here in our country. It's, It's this Christian nationalism, right? Where you take... The, law, the Levitical laws, and you make them to be federal law. Um, and it's a deeply misguided project. Um, in the passage, Jesus says, uh, he, talk, he gives us a little insight as to how meteorology went in first century Palestine. He said, You know, they say, Well, clouds forming in the west must mean it's going to rain, southern wind. Brings heat. In fact, I read a commentator on this passage that said that in Jerusalem, a wind from the south can raise the temperature thirty degrees in in an hour. So you can imagine, like, oh, you know, you get a warm breeze. You're like, okay, where's that thing coming from? Because if it's from the south, you know, it could get pretty hot. But anyway, Jesus used it to criticize these people for their failure. I mean, oh, you can read those signs, but you don't realize what's happening now. You don't realize what's happening in and through Christ. Um, this past, uh, the most recent issue, of the Atlantic has this fascinating story uh, about light and noise pollution. And it points out, uh, you know, it says that Within any given environment, there's all kinds of stimulus. There's all kinds of sights, smells, and sounds, and we only pick up a very small fraction of them because that's all we need to take in in order for us to survive. But, so it's like this bubble we live within that only lets in certain stimulus. Other creatures live within other bubbles. And the word that they use, it's a new, this was a new word for me, uh, it's, it's a German word, umwelt. An umwelt. No, U-M-W-E-L-T. It refers to the, the filter through which we take in reality and, and filter out reality. So, um, a bat, within the umwelt of a bat, Visual stimulus does not get in, doesn't see much. They're uh, blind as a, I don't know, something. Uh, so, but uh, that's okay because bats hear at a level we cannot imagine, right? They let these uh, ultrasonic pulses shoot out of their mouth, and their ears are tuned to being able then to. Um, hear the, that bounce, that, that those pulses bounce off surf, the surface of things so that they, they can track a moth meet, you know, that may be meters away because of how those, what they're hearing from those pulses coming bouncing back at them. Anyway, so each of us operates within this, uh, an umwelt. And Jesus here, when he says, you hypocrites, how uh, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky but you don't know how to interpret the present time he says your umwelt is all off you think that you you take in the stimuli from 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 rome to have an understanding of how this kingdom of god is going to operate how you think you can just impose it on people that it is going to be an opportunity to utilize violence and power for your own ends no that is that's the wrong umwelt I'm the umwelt, I'm the filter through which you should understand how the Kingdom of God is coming, how it operates in the world. To see, to be able to interpret the present reality, we have to recognize that love and mercy, love and mercy are giving us clues to the way in which the Kingdom of God is moving. We to, that has to register with us the way that the faint smell of home registers in salmon and leads them upriver or the way a gentle rustle in the grass can tr- lets a owl know that food is nearby so in this world full of humming with traffic and glowing with street lights and full of violence and assertions of power, we have other stimulus that we hone in on these things speak to a kingdom that is eternal near the opening of the passage Jesus says I have a baptism with which to be baptized Uh, a few weeks ago we read from Paul's letter to the Colossians where he talks about our baptism and that we are baptized into Christ into his death and resurrection it's the ritual by which we are able to identify with Christ, so Jesus here is, has, is referring to his baptism, which is, of course, his actual death and his actual resurrection, and he's feeling the impending weight of that, because and, and that is a big disruption for him and for the world. It's so it's not how things are supposed to work. That's the thing we don't. That's hard for us to make sense of. That's the thing we didn't see coming. Jesus does not impose the kingdom of God by rallying the masses, feeding the political machine, stacking courts, passing draconian laws, and jailing people who violate them. That's the strategy that makes sense within that umwelt. But that's not how it works with Jesus. You know, a a violent coup makes some sense, but that's not how it's gonna work. Allowing yourself to be captured. Refusing to speak in his defense, taking a public beating, dying on an instrument of torture, that just seems insane. That's not how missions are accomplished. That's a disaster. But that's how this kingdom works. Through love, through self-sacrifice, through mercy and grace. These aren't just nice things our stimuli that come from the kingdom of god and that is how we read the present time we see those we take in that stimuli we allow it to guide our lives and find our hope there in the midst of all the violence all the, uh, dis- the, the in the midst of the disruption it is our peace